guys. Welcome to the Table for One Dumb Boy, episode two. We're going to get into it this week. Holy shit, I got my first guest this week. I got We got a lot to talk about. Been a big week for me. Holy shit, what an exciting week for me. It's been a big week. It's been a big week, baby. Some good, some bad. Good news. We'll start with the good news. You know what the good news is? I'm going to tear up. <laughs> I'm going to tear up telling this. But it's good news. Is uh, My 12-year-old son... <laughs> He uh, has a kid on the way. I'm going to be a granddad. I'm just so proud of him. Good Lord. Just just into sixth grade and just crushing it, man. And now he's a father. He's going to be a father. It's just it's it's what. What else could a parent ask for is to. Just be proud of their son. We're going to go, we're going to, I'm going to try to get this over with and wrap it up so we can go celebrate. We're going to have some brewskis. Going to go to the Buffalo Wild Wings, have some brewskis to celebrate and it's going to make an event. It's going to be, as Action Bronson would say, it'll be an event. About two of you probably noticed he says that a lot. It's just something I noticed Action Bronson said and I've been saying it. I like how it sounds. But yeah. This week, whew. I wasn't going to, I have a lot of stuff to talk about, but I might have to let it leak over to episode three because last night I had, uh, got on Instagram, my friend Rivers Langley made a post of him watching I Love You Daddy, the new Louis C.K., I don't want to say film, I have seen this movie, I've seen this movie in, uh, boy i love you daddy i love you daddy guessing that fucking trailer that's the song on it it's just that that the whole if you saw the trailer you that's the tone and style of the movie which i will say i don't hate but i do at the same time because of him choosing to use that style for this particular movie I have a bunch of opinions about it, though. I will talk to them here later on in the episode. I'll, uh, I didn't even tell you who. Uh, it'll be my first guest. I'll have Rivers Langley on, host of the Goods from the Woods and Good Buddy of Mine. Joining him and me will be also Monica Scott. Good friend of mine. Host of uh, What Did You Learn? With Luke Jensen. Great podcast. Both great podcasts. I, it's really hard to make a good podcast. Especially if you're my friend. Typically, I won't listen to friends' podcasts, but I do enjoy both of theirs. No bullshit. Not not just blowing smoke up your shitter. <laughs> it's been eventful, though. This has been a good, so far, I mean, we're only, you know, we're only 11 days into January. Today, you know, is, is the 11th for me recording. I don't know. It's been a good year, though. I've been staying busy. Did me a comedy show at uh, Saturn the other night. A lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at that. I've been doing. I've been going up a lot more uh, this year. I've, I've gone up uh, almost every day this year. It seems like. Uh, you know, last year I kind of, uh, you know, stopped doing stand up as much. Getting back into it again. 
I was starting to hate it. I was starting to hate it a lot because I feel like there has been a comedy boom very clearly, and there's just kind of an oversaturation of it. I feel like audiences are getting kind of exhausted with it. I could tell. I don't think... I'm not assuming this. I'm not wrong about it. I could see it. I could see it in the audience when I would, you know, just sit and watch comedy shows even uh, sometimes. You know, they're exa- they were exhausted with it. There's an oversaturation of it, but uh, this year, me going back up and doing it kind of reminds me of why I, I love doing it and how I don't think I'll ever quit doing it. But, I mean, also at the same time, I, I'm not talking about this for real, uh, how much I like doing comedy. I, I, it was fun. But at the show, um, the reason I brought this up, we had some uh, we had some ironic kids in the corner. I don't know what I mean by that. Ironic kids it means they dress like Mac DeMarco, have no fucking actual emotions. Because we all know that having actual human emotions and human empathy is weak. They just, they're not funny. These people aren't funny. Surely you know who I'm talking about. It's people that are just, you can't even have a real conversation with them because it's steeped in irony. And they feel like if they show, like, any kind of real emotion, you'll be like, oh, that's lame, that's gross. But no, that's, it's not. You can't be shut off like that. Be a real person. Everything's not a comedy bit. If everything's a comedy bit for you or a fucking meme, then stay the fuck away from me. I'm not inter- You're not somebody I'm interested in talking to. It's even worse when they actually do comedy. Great comedians like... I think Andy Kaufman's great, but he has fucking very clearly br- like bred this... Just no talent fucking trust fund kids that just go up on stage in like an acid wash jacket or something. And I'm not really one to talk about styles like that, though. I, I mean, I dress like a fucking goof, but I try to write jokes, though. I don't go up there and read, basically just read fucking memes off of my phone. Nobody wants to hear this, though. I'd like it to be known that I'm self-aware. I've had a lot of opinions about this podcast so far. And thank you for everybody that does listen. You know, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the positive feedback. I've gotten some pretty interesting negative feedback. It's funny, though, because the negative feedback is from people who haven't listened to the fucking podcast. Jesus Christ, listen, at least listen. Also, I'm self-aware enough to know that this is something that either you want to fucking listen to or you don't. I'm not going to push it on you, though. It's something for me mainly. And I'm glad people do want to hear it. I, 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 I don't really know what else to add to that. Speaking of comedy... I just, I don't, there's something I don't understand too. Open mics are obviously very rough to sit through. It took me, you know, a few years, like, of people who, people know bullshit. I'm not tooting my fucking own horn here either. But I did, before I started comedy, I did have friends 
and acquaintances tell me that they thought I was funny that I should try stand-up. I had enough people tell me that that it made me confident enough to try it. That's no bullshit. I would have never tried it if probably if nobody ever told me not to do it. A few people come to mind um, that told me that. They said, that I, I was told that I was funny enough to do it, and that gave me confidence to do it. And I finally did it, and I liked it. But what I don't understand are these people that do stand-up comedy. They're just these completely unlikable people that don't have a funny fucking bone in their body. I don't understand the urge for them to do it. What made them want to do it? Because these people typically have no fucking friends because they, they can't have a real conversation. Some of these people come off just so fucking... I don't like you if you come off arrogant at all and do comedy. Because essentially, you're being arrogant about... You're just basically saying, Yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at uh, being a complete fucking disappointment to my family. That's essentially what you're doing. You're being, like, the best at being a complete and utter failure and the black sheep of your family. So when I see somebody be arrogant about it, it's the funniest fucking thing ever. And we all talk shit about you behind your back if you do it. Like, you know, like, uh, comedians that have, like, rapper lifestyles, you know, like Kevin Hart and shit. Fuck that. I hate that so much. But I don't mean to go on a tangent about comedy, because nobody gives a fuck about that. It's I'm kind of actually just... I need to practice what I preach, I guess. You know? Suppose I gotta practice what I preach, huh? I will say one more thing about it, though. This, this oversaturation of comedy where it's like... Every week, there's like five... At the very least, five new stand-up comedy specials on Netflix. And it's just everywhere. Like, comedy everywhere. Stand-up comedy everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you fucking look. It's stand-up comedy. That's bad. And I've heard the argument made, like, oh, you don't want more opportunities? It's like, no, I don't want more opportunities if people don't want to fucking see it. That defeats the purpose of wanting to do it. When you turn, when people turn around and take like every fucking corner they look at, it's a fucking stand up comedy thing, they get tired of it. I want it to be back to the way it was to where you have to like work way harder to fucking get on TV and way harder to get on Netflix and way harder to get on, well, not CISO now. Funny that got made fun of so much by comics. I saw nothing wrong with it. It was full of stuff I loved on it. It wasn't out for comedy fans. That's what we need, actually. Instead of oversaturating all these fucking uh, streaming services with it, make one like CISO for people that like comedy. Because I gotta tell you something, too. There are people, I've heard uh, people, especially judging comedy on a local level, just they don't give it a chance like they should either. You know, there are good local comics here in Birmingham. And I've heard it, I've heard it judged by people. And when they judge it, they're like, well, they're no uh, Bill Hicks or George Carlin. And it's like, of course they're not. 
Like, is that what you want to hear? They're like, yeah, the only the only comics I like are Bill Hicks and George Carlin. It's like, well, you're not a fan of comedy then, so you don't get to judge it. Your opinion means jack shit to me. If the only comedians you like are Bill Hicks and George Carlin, you're not a fan of comedy. You're a fan of listening to libertarian speeches on YouTube. Go listen to libertarian filibusters then and judge those. I'll respect your opinion more on what libertarian filibusters are, uh, what you think about those instead of like what you think about fucking comedy. I don't, I don't, I do not care, especially on a certain level, a local level. You can fuck yourself if you've ever judged, if you've ever taken to Facebook about that shit and you, some of you know who the fuck I'm talking about too. I'm not going to name names, but fuck that guy. Like, Fuck that shit, man. That's a very obscure fucking inside baseball thing, that last part. I'm going to stop being so inside baseball, actually. We got some stuff to talk about today, though. We do. My friend uh, Monica Scott and my friend Rivers Langley acquired a screener for I Love You, Daddy. And boy, when I found that out, I was like, fuck, I've, I've got to see this. For those of you who don't know, which if you don't know, um, I wouldn't say turn the podcast off. I can just tell you brief, briefly what this is. But I Love You, Daddy is a movie uh, that Louis C.K., it's his directorial day. No, no, actually it's not. He made Pootie Tang, actually. But it's his new movie, his new air quotes film. It's called I Love You, Daddy. And uh, they pulled it. They pulled it because of the New York Times article about him cranking it in front of comedian, com- female comedians and ruining their life and doing mental anguish to them, or, you know. And uh, so they pulled the movie, and it was not released. But, oh, boy, if there's a will, there's a way, baby. And I got to see, I love you, Daddy. So yeah, we're going to call in to my buddies out in the Los Angeles, Rivers Langley and Monica Scott. We're going to talk about I Love You, Daddy. And let me just say, uh, if you're interested in this movie, you'll like this interview. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to have them call in and uh, yeah, let's just check that out right now. All right, I'm sitting here with Rivers Langley and Monica Scott. How are you guys doing? Hi, Nick. Hey, I'm good. What did y'all think of uh, of this movie? (laughs) If you could call it that. (laughs) It's bad. It's pretty bad. It doesn't help, like, all the the stuff. I think I would have liked it, actually, if it weren't for all the allegations, to be honest. I mean, I think that's how everybody feels that's had to sit through it. But I don't know. I feel weird saying that, even. (laughs) I just don't think it's a good movie, really. Charlie Day's awful. Uh (laughs) I yeah, actually liked I him. I liked him. I didn't like him at all. He was the worst part of the movie, just about for me. Oh, Ex- man. Not, not completely the worst part. There's plenty of other shit, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, where do we you just want to start from the beginning? I mean, I don't know. I just I thought it was lazy. I just thought it was fun. It seems like he did this to cover his tracks, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't know. Or to, like, gaslight the world. <laughs> That's... There's a lot of shit going on. I think there's that's a couple of things for sure. Um, yeah. I feel like his heart wasn't in this. I felt like he had to do this because he knew this was going to happen with him. 
So he had to make this, but he didn't really want. It felt like it was an obligation almost that he had to make this movie to like get his, you know, to cover his tracks almost. That's funny. I kind of to me it strikes me as like some kind of. I feel like it. It might be the opposite. Like it's some sort of insane act of, of uh, come and get me. <laughs> uh, that's interest. That's an interesting way to look at it because. Uh, I didn't feel that till maybe like a little like towards like uh, the birthday parts when I started to maybe feel more like that, like the come and get me thing. There's a lot of shit in parts. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shit going on in this movie. Um, that's how I feel about it. I feel like, uh, yeah, he just kind of wanted to cover his tracks and his heart wasn't really in it because I think he can write good shit. I've seen him do it. Um, this yeah. isn't good, though. This is a bad movie. Well, I mean, I wonder if he, like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't claim to have any insight into his psyche, but it does seem like he is, like, like it's angrier than anything he's ever made before. Yeah. It's, uh, like an, it's like a really bold assertion that he is allowed to be entitled to all the things he does and gets. That's interesting. Like, I didn't look into it like that, really, but I can definitely see that. He yeah. definitely, uh, I've never even used this word, but he definitely mansplains feminism at one point to his daughter. Oh that was... As two different men explain to a teenage girl what feminism is in like 10 minutes. Yeah, that was pretty great. That was my favorite part. <laughs> what was y'all's favorite part of the movie? <laughs> did you have a favorite part? I, I did say uh, this is a pretty good scene a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, I think I know Rivers' favorite part. Oh, what? what? I want to hear. <laughs> the part where he apologizes to women begrudgingly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I put that on Instagram. Yeah, that's my Yeah, that's... He rewound it several times. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Edie Falco, though, she fucking... I liked her in this. Yeah, I mean, she was okay. It almost felt like Edie Falco was in a different movie entirely. Like, Edie Falco was in a movie about making a TV show. <laughs> and just give, getting treated like shit by him. It was like, I, he just does not care that her life sucks because of him. Yeah, that he is, like, ruining everything. It seems like maybe he does that for real, too, because he's like, he runs everything that he does. You know, he's like the executive producer. He edits all of his shit. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like anybody that has to work with him, that might be like him projecting some of that on people, too. I don't know. It's a lot yeah, I of mean, shit. Feels like it's him projecting all of the stuff that maybe he, he does that people complain about him. Like, it feels like a movie about, like, hey, you fuckers think that I'm not allowed to do this. I just made a movie about it, and I'm fine. And then it was like, actually, you're in trouble. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, right before it gets released. I definitely, actually, I felt that way during the part <laughs> when he, uh, after he uh, sleeps with that lady cast in the show, and uh, he's just like, uh, well, you don't know me. And, you know, it's like, this kind of him <laughs> kind of trying to... Uh, I don't know, like, explain, like, we don't we don't know what we're talking about with this whole jerking off thing or something. Like, he knew that was coming, and he was just kind of, once again, covering his tracks by saying, like, you don't really know about me, almost. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it really, I mean, like, it, it, like, so someone who does the stuff that he did is someone who is, like, so confident in their ability to, like, 
convince people that they're wrong. And it's just bad at it, too. (laughs) Yeah. There's a power over anyone he interacts with. And that is that's why I think that's why that movie felt like that to me. It was just like, okay, he had four people call him a genius in the first like six minutes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's very masturbatory. (laughs) Like he he, like I think that's what he uh, thinks people think about him, obviously. It's a weird yeah. movie. It's it's right the part when I started like realizing oh this is going to not be good was uh right when him and Charlie Day um pull up to his place and they walk in and he's just talking about how he got the show and they're basically just jerking each other off the whole time about how great he is and yeah. I was like I'm going to hate this movie if it's going to be like this cuz I hate like insider industry movies anyway and this is pretty much all this was on top of that. Yeah. Well, and, like, so I was trying to think about, like, what he thinks the message of this movie is. I think he knows. <laughs> I think he knew going oh, into it. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, it, so it seems to me, like, part of the message of the movie is that, like, so he plays the character Glenn. Yeah. And Glenn ends up losing everything because of his narrow view of his morals. Like he ends up driving away the actress and driving away his co-producer and driving away his daughter and driving away his ex-wife. Like he loses everything because he had too narrow of a view. Because of- he. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a he weird way to have let Woody Allen fuck his daughter and teach her about wine and jazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's also none of these people are fucking relatable at all. Oh, yeah, they're all monsters. It's just these waspy fucking rich people I don't give a fuck about. Like, I don't care about anybody in this movie, even his daughter, even, half the time. His daughter is a bitch the whole She's time. awful. <laughs> like, I she's like... like uh, I like Pamela Adlon. She's oh, yeah, the, she's the she was the... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to cut you off there, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, You're I was just, gonna say I liked Pamela Adlon a lot. She's the only person in the movie that I just want to win. Yeah, she was the best part of it for sure for me. I love her anyway. You know, Bobby yeah, Hill, baby. I, I like her and Charlie Day. Those are my two favorite people in the movie. Charlie, I, I, I get that he's playing. That's who he's supposed to be playing. Is just this fucking dickhead. But I just I don't know. There's something about Charlie Day that rubs me the wrong way. I love it's always sunny, but he's the worst part of that show for me. I just don't Whoa. think. I, yeah, he is. I think Dennis and Mac are the funniest part of that show because of these two sociopaths. Wow. What's funny uh, about them is there's these two fucking sociopaths that are just pieces of shit. It makes it there, for me. There is uh, one thing that you should watch uh, with Charlie Day, which is before It's Always Sunny came out, uh, when he was still just like a working actor, there's a scene of him in, I think it's either Third Watch or Law and Order, where it's like he's playing the suspect and it's him and his brother, like, sitting out, like, in Long Island Sound, like, looking out at, th- at New York City. And it's just him seriously acting as hard as he can, just going, we were brothers, man! <laughs> brothers! <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll have to YouTube that after this. Yeah. I'm going to. Uh, comedy actors' roles in Third Watch is really great. Check out Eugene Merman in Third Watch as a uh, uh, an arsonist. Well, I'm one of those people, I'll say I'm going to check that out on YouTube after it, and I really will, because I, I went down this fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman wormhole last night, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> he's fucking... Yeah, we don't get movies with him anymore, that's bullshit, but yeah. Anyway, this movie sucks. I hate it. So I thought that there... Do you think that there's something interesting... Uh, I said this last night, and it got no traction with Rivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I think that there's 
something interesting in this movie about that I don't think Louis C.K. meant to make a movie about this, but there's like an interesting story in this movie about like how his generation of parents uh, were like fucking spineless with their kids. Yeah, yeah. Like there's that, there's that, and then also like also back to his daughter being a bitch too. Um. It really bothered me when she was like, oh, no, this conversation's over. I'm 18 now, so I don't have to do anything the rest of my life. (laughs) I can just, like, your time's up on, you know, me doing anything with my fucking life, basically. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, that that scene is weird, but to me, that scene is, like, about how that generation of parents did nothing for their kids and was just, like, wanted to be their kids' friends. Yeah. turned 18 and we're like what am i supposed to do like i i don't know anything he's really spineless too like he's worse than any parent i've ever met that's like that (laughs) though too and he's terrible at acting during that part too when he's trying to cry (laughs) yeah that was fucking cringeworthy and i hate like i don't want to be like he's a bad guy for doing the shit he did but i don't want to make it like oh now that you've been caught i'm gonna roast you because i mean i did like his stuff before um this is just bad yeah, I mean the movie is the movie is really bad. I mean, also it, even like it would have like shot reverse shots of two people talking. It looked like it was different times of day. <laughs> yeah, there was there was like one point her and John Malkovich were talking, yeah. and it was night all of a sudden. It I thought night that day for him. <laughs> that was weird. I, I I didn't think much on it because I was like, that's weird. Maybe I just because I was looking at my phone too because everybody does that. So I was like, oh, maybe I missed something. I don't no, know. It's a very boring movie. <laughs> it's bad. It's like if People Louis didn't even do this shit, I would still not like it. It's that bad. I, and, I I happen to be watching at the point where John Malkovich uh, organizes a happening in Central Park where he like oh. gets the hot guy and the jazz guy. <laughs> And I was watching, and no one else was, and I was—I had to be like, guys, guys, put your phones down, watch this part. <laughs> well, uh, there's either one of two things that happened during that part. I think if Louis C.K. is doing what I want to give him the benefit of the doubt on with that part, I think it's pretty funny what he was doing, which is just this lame 60-year-old man trying to impress a 17-year-old girl the lamest way possible. You know what I mean? Like, Because that was so lame what he was doing. By turning real life into the opening scene of Beauty and the Beast. Right, exactly. But I just, I don't know. With this movie being as bad as it is, I don't even want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. (laughs) Well, about this is that this is a movie that he set out to kind of exonerate Woody Allen and then ended up incriminating himself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think he had maybe any self-reflection with this movie. I think he was like, he was like, oh yeah, well, I like really like Woody Allen and I should, uh, you know, make a movie de- defending the guy, and then he totally fucking <laughs> turned a microscope on himself accidentally. He it's, shot himself, but it's so it's it's a lot going on. Like Woody Allen is like, oh, um, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want a part of this. No, uh, you don't need to make this movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the new Woody Allen trailer? I talked about it on the last episode, but holy shit! Guess who the lead is in the new Woody Allen movie? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. guess. Casey Affleck. No, Jim Belushi. Uh, what? <laughs> yes. So, wait, the last person in Hollywood that'll work with Woody Allen is Jim Belushi. Dude, Belushi worked with fucking David Lynch this year on Twin Peaks. He was in the Twin Peaks new season. Oh, wow. He's great in it, actually. He's I hate Jim fun. Belushi, but... 
He's good in it. He's he's got some good work. This well, I don't know about the Woody Allen movie, but the he can you know mark that as a win. The Twin Peaks, <laughs> the Woody Allen movie looks terrible. Like uh, he phoned that one in because if you've ever seen an interview with Woody Allen and how he writes movies, he's very lazy about it. He just starts writing it on a paper, like writes one idea down and he makes a movie out of it. As you can tell by how many he puts out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate Woody Allen. I've always hated fucking Woody Allen. He has one movie I still really like, which is Deconstructing Harry. But, yeah, it's still hard to watch because him. I, I don't know who he was. I just when I started getting into Star Wars, I found out Star Wars lost the Oscar in 77 to Annie Hall. And I was like, well, fuck this guy. And then I actually saw <laughs> Annie Hall. That's not better than You're Star like, Wars. It's not. <laughs> and then uh, and then I've just, uh, you know, it's just been a snowball. And it really helps that, like, you know, like. He's bad. Idiot hipsters that <laughs> like their opinion anyway, like revere that guy. And so it's just turned into a snowball of like, I've always fucking hated that dude. And then just the, you know, a nice little cherry on top is that he's a fucking criminal. Well, if you hate Annie Hall, uh, you're going to really hate this. These uh, stupid fucking film students in New York remade Annie Hall with old people. And it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I had to watch <laughs> it because it's fucking a terrible idea. I'd be better than the actual Annie Hall. Do I know? Might be better than the actual Annie Hall. I mean, you know, it could be. Five, yeah, it's pretty bad seconds. already, though. Yeah, the five <laughs> seconds Jeff Goldblum is in Annie Hall is the only good part of Annie Hall. He is in that, isn't he? Holy shit! One of his first roles. It's it's where he really solidified himself as the ludicrous of films. <laughs> anything he's in is made better by his presence. It really is, except for. Uh, I would argue Ludacris is the Ludacris of films. Well, now he is. Yeah, he is yeah. now. <laughs> Did he yeah. just not do the Fast and the Furious movies anymore? I haven't even uh, seen him. He was in the live. Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad to see he's fucking working. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. I love Ludacris. I don't give a shit. I don't Which think it's something people would argue with you about, actually. Yeah, so. no one's mad that you love Yeah, Ludacris I don't think that's... Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, this movie fucking sucks. Do y'all have a favorite part? Like, if you had to pick one favorite part from this movie, what would it be? The part <laughs> off in front of all the women. Oh, the oh yeah. part is like... <laughs> A hundred seconds long. It's so long. Yeah, it's like, like Jesus Christ. This is just this is a nightmare. <laughs> this is a fucking nightmare. I, I I can't even really understand the logic of that part. There's not any. It's just like Louis C.K.'s thing. It's like his stand-up's always been about his sexual hangups anyway. But he really likes talking about jerking off to the point that it's just even for him hack. Like it's just. <laughs> It's bad. It's so weird. Uh, that scene is a nightmare. Um, Do, I oh, like, shit. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I can tell you all this later. The part, the, the end where Edie Falco is like having a moment with him at the Emmys and they just fade her yeah. out. <laughs> oh, yeah, they fade out two women with orchestras. It's. <laughs> oh, my God. It's bad. Let this woman be reasonable. <laughs> She's, yeah. And then they daughter out in the next scene. <laughs> There's stuff I'm forgetting. <laughs> like it, this movie is. I'm gonna say it a million times, but it's just fucking bad. I hated it. <laughs> I hate this movie. Burn, the like romantic interest in the movie, having her give a really long speech about how his morals are too narrow, and she banged a seventy year old when she was fifteen. Or oh something. yeah. Then he was like, "You were raped." Yeah, you were raped, and then I, I was like, this is a mess. This is <laughs> like, bad. 
crazy to make this actress oh. do this. Oh, I forgot my favorite scene. Uh, my favorite scene is uh, when he says the N-word like five minutes in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. Really casually. And it's never brought back up. There's that. And I remember. So hard. I remember mine now, actually, that uh, I think about it. We're thinking about stuff that's just a complete fucking mess. Um, towards the end, when her friend's picking up her shit and he tries to fuck her. And then, like, I was Instagramming during that. I think. So what happened? Uh, <laughs> you missed a good part. He's <laughs> like that. He's not really trying to. Like, he just like barely moves, and she's like, "What are you doing?" Sure. Then, yeah, but it's still. It's just like it's that, such a bad choice to put that in there after everything else, dude. But it. But it almost like to me, I was like, "Is this like something about how like and also women are liars about this?" Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i guess so <laughs> he makes a lot of bold moves in this one so it's like god you're really trying to gaslight us all into thinking that every decision you've made is actually very good <laughs> yeah he's a spineless dad in that movie but he is not a spineless filmmaker that's for sure took some bold steps well at least we should probably talk about him in the past tense since he's dead uh, <laughs> To me, for sure. He'll come back from this, I know. It's And it's going to be fucking weird, and we're going to... We already live in hell. It's going to get worse. <laughs> he has a fucking special coming where he's going to say worse shit that's in this movie. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The, Go ahead. Who puts the special out? Oh, like, in the, <laughs> the version of reality where he comes back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he Is probably it- will on his website, and, you know, at this point... You know how much money he lost on this? He'll probably not do the thing with the, where you pay whatever you want. He'll probably charge like twenty bucks for it on his site. He'll <laughs> be he'll be a Russian. Yeah. Site. <laughs> he needs the money now, really bad. I would imagine. But well, probably yeah. not. Not really. But um. Oh yeah, this was funny. Um, I just finished Doug Stanhope's book, and he <laughs> he even kind of like hints at it in his book that Louis did that shit. Cause there's a picture yeah. of Stanhope in it. Uh, in the middle, which is a bunch of pictures of stories he's told about in it. And uh, it's him flashing Louis C.K. <laughs> in it, and it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny book. I don't know how y'all are, are you, how you feel about uh, Doug Stanhope, but I think he's pretty funny. He said some yeah. horrendous shit about the Louis thing, but. I was going to say, he seems like if he went down next, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, he never will because he, he, uh, he already tried to take the heat for it, which was also weird. But he's got a, he, he has awful fans. Uh, if yeah. you've ever been to one of his shows, it's fucking horrible. I like him, but I hate his fans. I work with one and he's a fucking white supremacist. <laughs> That's another story I have saved for this. So don't. don't. I can't go into that one right now. He'll probably kill me if he listens to this. Um, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't have the internet. <laughs> He's awful. But yeah, is there anything I want to add? <laughs> I I hope when you do this episode, like the rest of it, I hope you're like kind of breaking it down for people like moment for moment because you know it's occurred to me no one's gonna see this thing yeah that's true that's kind of why i wanted to do it because people would want to hear about this i would you know if i found a podcast from somebody i didn't even fucking know talking about this i'd want to hear it so yeah so yeah i'll give a little rundown of it yeah it's, it's fucking uh, it's crazy and if you do get a hold of it uh you know you should uh 
Tweet it, Nick. Tell him what you thought. Yeah, I'll email it to you. <laughs> I'll just email yeah. the fucking movie to you. To all five listeners. I could that can manage that. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, it was good talking to you guys. Yeah, you too. Do y'all want to plug your podcast? Oh yeah. Uh, y'all y'all probably uh, love doing uh, that. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rivers Langley, and you can listen to my podcast. It's called The Goods from the Woods. Uh, Nick has been on three episodes and a bonus episode. So if you like Nick Thomas, check us out. Uh, and uh, we release a new podcast every Tuesday, and we're at The Goods Pod on Twitter. All righty. You want to? Mighty Monica on Twitter and Instagram. It's Monica with a K. Uh, my podcast is called What Did You Learn with Luke and Monica? Currently on such a hiatus, but I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> I know how that fucking goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on one now with another fucking podcast I do. But yeah. this is this podcast is your podcast to break the hiatus of the other podcast. It really is. It I've admit, I've said it a hundred times, but it is. Um but yeah, both of those podcasts are really funny. I love I listen to both of them all the time at work. They're both fucking hilarious. I actually listened to the American movie episode the other day. I love that fucking movie. That's such a great movie. <laughs> Have y'all yeah. seen The Disaster Artist yet? That reminded me of... Because uh, I like movies about making movies, and that's another good one about making movies. I loved it. I, yeah. saw, it, I saw it in Century City, which is, uh, for those that don't know, Run in Los zero. Angeles. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, more more criminals per square inch than Folsom Prison over there. But uh, Century City is where all of the like managers and agents are. And so they have this theater that gets a lot of movies about a week early. And so I saw it uh, open like before the preview, uh, before the uh, premiere, even like a week before it came out. So it was the most hardcore room fans in L.A. So oh, wow. that, was, that was a really unique experience just because I think the movie played, you know, it, it was like uh you know, it, it played a lot better to that room because it was just the diehards. So I haven't seen it with an audience full of, you know, regular uh, people. But, uh, you know, it was it was really fun when I saw it. Oh, I saw it the most not fun way. I was by myself and everybody there was on a date <laughs> except me. <laughs> That's the best okay. way to do it. I saw Lady Bird in that the same day. So well, um, did the crowd get it? Did they enjoy it? Yeah, you could tell they'd seen the room. Like I could hear people oh, okay, like, right you know. On. So like yeah they 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 enjoyed it. Um, I, it's I crazy how many people haven't heard of that fucking movie. Like normies, I guess, like just don't know what that fucking movie is. Uh, the disaster artist they don't know about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Most the, like the clips and stuff like that. They know like you're tearing me apart, Lisa, and like oh hi Mark. Yeah. People- oh, I mean yeah. like uh, the disaster artist people don't even know about here. Like, people oh. I work with, like, I was like, yeah, I saw the Disaster Artist, and they were like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, never fucking mind. <laughs> don't I mean, it's always been my experience that most normal people don't know any movies that win awards. There's so <laughs> many There's so many fucking boring people that I work with. Um, That's why we have the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah, yeah there you <laughs> The Normie Awards. Oh, yeah, if I had to recommend a movie for y'all to see since we just talked about a terrible one, um, The Florida Project's really good. That shit's fucking sad. Oh. Funny you should mention that. I was going to go see that last night, and then Monica was like, hey, I got a, 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 uh, <laughs> a daddy. Well, y'all made the right choice, but Even definitely. The way I phrased it was, I have a copy of the Forbidden Louis C.K. movie. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, y'all made the right choice for sure, but definitely see the Florida Project. I can actually email that to y'all, too. It's a good one. It's fucking, it's very fucking sad. <laughs> if y'all want to weep oh, hysterically. 
I've avoided. I haven't been emotionally ready for any of the sad movies. It's this one's the saddest fucking movie. It's oh, see, I didn't know that. I'm glad I didn't see it. Oh, uh, the yeah. trailer for it is I fucking very misleading. It's not a happy, like, sweet movie. It's very sad. Like, it's just yeah, about a responsible parent or an irresponsible parent that's just kind of like you know, I love you, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so the same plot. It's just as sad. But anyway, it was good talking to you guys. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Nick. having us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that was a review of uh, I Love You, Daddy, baby. I mean, everybody's a pervert. I'm a pervert. I'm a pervert. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was uh, Rivers Langley and Monica Scott. We were discussing I Love You, Daddy, Louis C.K.'s recently pulled movie because of uh, a New York Times article about you all know. You all know. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. There'll be some more of that on this show. Have some call-ins, have some in-studio guests. Yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, a lot of you aren't going to get to see this movie because it's very difficult to find. Um, so I'm going to try to break it down for you so you can kind of understand, I guess. I Love You, Daddy is a movie. Uh, Louis C.K.'s character plays a father of a 17-year-old girl. And he's a very, very wealthy man. And he spoils her. He doesn't tell her what to do, really. He's, he's completely spineless. She just does whatever she wants, so that's why she wants to go be with her her dad. Is because she gets to he lets her do whatever she wants, and her mom will not let her do that. She has boundaries. Um, in the midst of this, he is having to write a TV script. He's having to write twelve episodes of a TV script in like a four or five month uh, window. Edie Falco plays the executive producer of the show um, that he is putting out and she's pissed out on the whole time. Cause that's a fucked up thing to do to somebody as a uh, say yes to something that has to be out in five months with no, and there's like no cast. He hasn't written it yet. And he is having trouble writing it because of the thing with his daughter wanting to fuck who is supposed to be basically Woody Allen, uh, John Malkovich's character. She, well, it starts out. He, he preys on young women that the, like Woody Allen, you know, that's John Malkovich's character. So he takes an interest in Louis C.K.'s daughter in this movie. Eventually, she is charmed by him because he's a lame-ass 60-year-old man that tries to hit on 17-year-old girls, and she falls to his lame-ass charms. As mentioned, uh, they're in the park, and he starts like this stupid fucking uh, sing-along bullshit with them. And his life is just falling apart, about as bad as it can be for a millionaire uh, that writes for TV and doesn't have any worries at all. It's a terrible movie. Um, I am a fan of Louis C.K.'s past works, his stand-up, and kind of on the decline. This movie kind of, it almost kind of hints, too, that he's like past his prime, even. as If he's supposed to be kind of playing himself kind of past his prime as a writer but yeah i hope you enjoyed that interview if you can find the movie i i, I would i would suggest watching it. it's a very interesting movie you know with all the controversies surrounding it i just don't think it's good personally so yeah i love you daddy baby
Check her out. Zero stars. I won't go that harsh. I will say, I will say this. It does make it very hard to enjoy it knowing what you know about Louis C.K. because you're thinking about that the whole time and what his motives behind making this movie were. There's a lot of good points brought up in that interview by Monica and Rivers. And, um, you know, my, my whole thing, I still think, is that he did this to cover his tracks and his heart wasn't in it. And he felt this was an obligation to make this movie. That's how I feel about it. So I think you should check it out if you can find it. Hopefully, I hope he releases it someday to where you can all see it and form your own opinion. I do not think it's a good movie. But we're done talking about I Love You, Daddy, Baby. We're going to talk about my friends, this band called The Burning Peppermints, Baby. Very good friends of mine. Jake Wittig uh, asked him to do a lot of shit for the show. He helped make the, um, the podcast banner for the show. And he, he uh, Rivers Langley took the picture. He made the little thing in the window. And he's very talented. He's a multi-talented guy, but he is in a band called The Burning Peppermints that are great. It's one of my, it, it, they are my favorite band in town. And um, I'm going to play a little song bomb. So, yeah, we're going to take a break for a second. We'll be right back.
baby. That was Tunnel Wizard by the Burning Peppermints. Fucking love those guys. You guys got to check them out. That's an old uh, demo from them when they were like in high school, too. They're, they're big boys now. They're big boys playing them big boy shows now. But they were, they were kicking ass then, too. They were kicking ass then, too, baby. I believe that was the original lineup, too. So, yeah. You got to check them out. I'm telling you. They're fucking great. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, uh, I was going to go into some more stuff, but uh, as soon as I got on Instagram and saw that Rivers had a screener and him and Monica had a choir, I think Monica, I don't know. I don't want, I've already incriminated everybody on this and then been like, hey, I'm going to email you guys some uh, the Florida project and all this shit. So I'm sure they appreciated that. But somebody, th- there was one acquired, I saw it, and I was like, oh, no, we're doing the episode about I Love You, Daddy. So I hope you enjoyed it. Those that you take of you that take interest in the movie and were as interested in hearing about it as I am, I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad to be one of the few that got to see it. Um, but yeah, this has been a fun episode. It's always a blast talking to Monica and Rivers, the fucking great people out there in sunny Los Angeles, California. And let me make sure there's anything else I want to cover. I think that's about it, baby. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Table for One Dumb Boy. And uh, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at thomas 4 real That's the number four in the middle. And on Instagram at Timis. Baby, it's been a good one. It's been a good ride, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, y'all be back for more. I just know it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the support so far. I know... Um, that y'all are listening, some of you anyway, and it, it really does mean a lot. Uh, this is this is something I'm really enjoying doing, and I'm looking forward to putting out more. So yeah, y'all have a nice night, day, whatever it is for you. I hope this got you through the work day, and I will be back next week, motherfucker.